This is Texas State Spit Talk. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Hello? You play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about To LeBron James! That was insane! Officially insane, LeBron James! And welcome to Texas State Spit Talk. Episode 12. 12, guys. We made it a long way from episode one. We've made it 12 episodes in. We broke the Star Wars record. That's a dozen. That's why I look at it. Just go for, we're going for a Baker's Dozen next week. Baker's Dozen. Let's do it. I mean, we're doing a great job. I think last week we got over 150 listens. I'm sure a lot of y'all are going to be new returners. Welcome to the show. Um, yeah, we had, a great, we had a great time last week. We got to review a fantastic interview from Larry Tice and Denise Trout that answered all of our questions and gave us everything we wanted to hear from them. Uh, sarcasm insert here. Texas State football played really well, though, despite all the drama and stuff against Georgia Southern, a team coming in that was 4-1. and one. Texas State was 1-4. and four. Um, Played really well. Came down. They, they ended up losing in a close game, 15-13. A uh, lot of things to break down in this game. A lot of a lot of uh, stupid things, but that's per usual with Texas State football. A lot of things that they could have done differently. We also have some exciting news out of Texas State football's camp uh, regarding play calling, and so it's something that we've talked about before. We'll get to that here in a few minutes. Guys, welcome to the show. I'm Regraf, your host. To my left, Brendan Snow, straight across. Mark Brown, to my right, the guy that's always fashionably late, Peyton Hill. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. Already wearing Christmas sweaters, too. Yeah. Yeah. Wearing a Christmas sweater. It's early for Christmas. It's festive. So you're early for the holidays, late for your job. Yeah. Well, granted, I thought it was Wednesday, so. Put that in your Twitter bio. But, yeah. You walked up and was like, I don't even know what day it is. Oh, yeah. I was still talking about it being uh, Wednesday when I got here, even though it's clearly Thursday. Yeah, but, I mean, Texas State on a national stage playing Georgia Southern last Thursday. Uh, against about 300 people. Don't let the official attendance numbers that they gave us fool you. There was not that many people there. ESPN said 119, so I guess it's a little bit better than that, right? I, I would say it was like 250. No, yeah, it was definitely in, at like, the over max, 200. maybe closer to 400. Like you know, right when gates first opened and uh, all the students that did somewhat care were still there. Um, played pretty well, I thought. The first half, you got Tyler Vitt was getting beat up. The offensive line has been much bigger of an issue than I thought it was going to be going into the season. I mean, when you when Tyler Vitt is given time to throw the ball and get his feet set and make his reads, he's a good quarterback. But when he's getting just out pressure nonstop, I mean, like besides, he did in that first half. Besides Rutgers, I I feel as if Georgia Southern was probably arguably the toughest opponent they faced since the first game. Oh, for sure, for yeah, sure. And then so of course they're going to rush the the O line's not really used to. Um, like a team like that besides their first game. Yeah, of course, so, Georgia Southern, a very heavy rushing team. Exactly. Uh, they only threw the ball for 51 yards, shy Wirtz. <clears throat> Wirtz could not throw the ball at all. Like He couldn't really complete the easy pass. It, just was, it was pretty evident that he was not brought to throw the football. He was brought to run it. Um, he was just another, another running back. Uh, even then, they came in as, what, the second best rushing team in the Sun Belt? The second top? No, they were like top seven nationally. Top ten nationally. Yeah, because they, yeah, they, they were the triple option. Mm-hmm. So they were like the leading rusher, and and they were averaging like two hundred plus two hundred, almost three hundred yards rushing a game. Well, Texas State held them to one hundred and sixty four. So that defense showed out. Yeah, they had to step it up. I mean, you think about it when usually when the offense doesn't step it up, like obviously the opposite side is going to be out there a little bit longer, so they're going to have to step it up twice as much. I mean, yeah, you had guys like Bron- I thought Nick Daniels played fantastic, and even after the game, uh, Everett Withers was very quickly to say that you know. Uh, he kept we, we kept pointing to the to total tackles numbers for London and Daniels, and he would quickly go back to linebackers going to rack up a lot of tackles playing this offense, which is true. But even then, you got to give your dudes credit. They only they held a, a really good rushing yeah. team to under two hundred yards. I think he wanted to 
you know, kind of point out to the other guys, you know, yeah, the linebackers coming up getting the tackles, but it's some of those defensive linemen who are eating up two blocks, you know, allowing the linebackers to make plays. And, yeah, just with the ball being ran so much, your defensive backs become almost, you know, irrelevant, and it's up to the linebackers to make those tackles. Yeah, and, I mean, one of the bright sides is we were able to rack up three sacks. Um, now, the whole reason we were able to do that is because we forced them to pass the ball. When you make a team like Georgia Southern pass the ball, you, as everywhere they said, you should sack the quarterback because they're not meant to do that. So, uh, Clifton Lewis Jr. came up with the sack. Savion Patton, he had a good game, six tackles altogether, a tackle for loss. And Markavian Coleman, all three came up with sacks. Brian London led the team with 11 total tackles. Big surprise there. Seven solo tackles, so he was doing his work. Nicholas Daniels had 10. Josh Newman. Josh Newman's played really well. The, the sophomore safety stepping in. He took the job of A.J. Krawczyk, and then when Krawczyk got hurt, it just became his job. Um, but, like, then I guess during the – I guess on Thursday night's post-game conference, I remember Coach Withers, it was uh, Kef that mentioned, uh, I guess, the status of A.J. Krawczyk. And remember he said uh, – I think Coach – I don't know if I remember correctly, but Coach Withers did mention something about A.J. getting the spot taken prior to him getting in. No, he didn't. He did. Uh, he took the job. Newman took his spot week two. Uh, and then once once Krawczyk got hurt, it's been his spot for sure. And I think he ran with it. He was a three three star recruit coming out. The fact that he's able to fend off guys like Krawczyk, Tyrese Hurd. I mean, Tyrese Hurd, you know, top rated guy in our class last year. You you're able to fend guys like that off. I believe he's redshirted. Hurd. Uh, yeah. That would make sense. That would make sense. Um, guys, there's still something that that troubles me though. You look at the rushing stats. Oh, Keenan Brown. Of things Keenan Brown me, had the two carries. One of them goes for 64 yards. Obviously, it, I mean, it went for 61 yards. I'm sorry, it was the biggest play of the game for us. Uh, and as soon as he, the ball, he, he touched the ball, you could tell he was best player on the field, as we've said all year long. Exactly. As soon as he touched it, that you was could the best tell. play of the year for us, actually. Oh, oh definitely. Uh, he was averaging so he on two carries, he was averaging 32 yards a carry. Willie Jones and. About the four drives he got, ran for 30 yards on 10 carries. Never even attempted a pass. He, he attempted six passes, only completed one of them. Um, Trash. I, I don't think his throwing shoulder was fully healthy, and that's why. No, I mean, no. Well, the, and, and the, still, we're going to get to the VIT. Uh, the VIT. We had a pretty good discussion last week, VIT, Willie Jones, and we just get to add another seg, another chapter to the Sega here in a minute. But, here we go. Uh Anthony Taylor, seven carries, 22 yards. That was probably more carries he's had, like, out of any other game, I believe. Robert Brown, two carries, negative five yards. Caleb Twyford, two carries, negative six yards. Still, no production whatsoever from your running backs, and that still concerns me. I mean, I guess we're just, you know, beating the horse at this point, but there's a reason this offense can barely score 20 points a game. You can't establish the run, thus getting your quarterbacks blown up. And, and, Coach Withers went ahead and said that at the postgame presser. He was like, we did not protect our quarterback. you got to establish the run. And hopefully they just start giving the ball. But the thing is, like, we keep hammering, give it to the running backs, but maybe we need to start looking at that offensive line. And maybe the offensive line isn't capable of getting them running lanes. Yeah, you have to, you have to just think that there's another part, uh, another layer to it deeper than just the ball's not getting to the running backs. No, no doubt. And I think that's something to look at, right, is – uh, where is where is the wh- where is the problem stemming from? Is do you have to go look deep into the offensive line and figure out? I mean, obviously they don't post any kind of film, so we can't go and watch the film and break down how the 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 offensive linemen are performing. I guess you could go walk back and watch the ESPN U replay. Um, that's research for one of you guys, maybe maybe even myself. I don't know. Well, I got Sam Marcus tomorrow. <laughs> and that's some proof uh, regarding the yeah. uh, Georgia Southern uh, and not passing the ball very efficiently. As you can see, like looking at total offense, Georgia Southern only has, after after the last game, they only have a, a total of 454 passing yards. And you look at Texas State, so we're ranked ninth out of 10th in the uh, Sunbelt Conference. And for those of you that are listening, this is from sunbeltsports.org. And uh, so we're ranked ninth out of 10th in the Sunbelt. Uh, we only have uh, 790 rushing yards. Uh, we have a total of 1,213 passing yards and 401 plays executed with only a total of 2,003 yards uh, positive. Yeah, so guys, after this game, uh, despite the loss, they played very well against a really good Georgia Southern team. Um, what are some of y'all's takeaways from the game? Let's start with you, Peyton. I mean, I guess I got two two uh, issues with the whole game, and it's one that we're 1-5. That's my first issue, and I think that's like the biggest issue, obviously. 
Um, there's a lot of things that can contribute to us being one and five. Some say the offense, and some say the defense. Personally, I'm going to put it on the defense just this one time. I know they had a kick-ass game. Excuse me. But uh, they allowed 327 yards against the Raging Cajuns, who were not definitely not as good as Georgia Southern. Uh, and then they come out four, five, five, five days later and allow the seventh best or and, and like just allow the seventh best rushing offense uh just to get uh 164 yards on 52 carries so you're getting at the, thinking that they're just inconsistent is the that what you're getting at inconsistency is killing them personally uh it, it's you don't know how they're gonna perform the next week so you have nowhere to build off of if that makes sense you know the offense is gonna have troubles uh, you kind of can tell what uh vit's gonna come and bring into the game but the defense is letting you down. Uh, not on this game particularly, but as, as the season as a whole. Well, I mean, inconsistency has been an issue with throughout the whole team, not just the defense. Uh, and it's hard to put a lot of blame on the defense because the offense isn't exactly eating, chewing up game well, clock. Well, I'm saying the offense is not good. And the defense has potential to be good, but they just don't show up every single time. And it just creates kind of a, a, a shaky platform to stand on. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it just feels like every not everything is – the team hasn't put it all together yet. Simple as that. In the two or th even three games that we led at halftime, I believe the defense choked and let, let that comeback happen. Yeah, I guess you could take that stance. Anybody have a rebuttal to that? Well – like said, Come at like, me, like, bro. Come at me. It's time to it, fight. It's, it's hard to say anything good about this offense right now. Yeah. Which, you know, is why we kind of got the news today. Read it. If you don't care, mind if I... Let's go ahead and jump to it and yeah, talk I mean, about it, that. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's very important to the conversation that I guess it's now officially come out from Texas State that... Earlier today. Or earlier today. Or, uh, due to the press release. This was released earlier Thursday. This podcast will come out Friday. But it was released Thursday it was, afternoon. It was released on Thursday saying that... Brett Elliott, the quarterback's coach and assistant offensive coordinator, is now the the play caller. He'll be calling. He's officially calling the plays now. He called plays for the team back in 2016. He was gone last year. He went to Mississippi State for a year, then came right back. So he had a history. They were good offense in 2016. They were better offense. I was like, good. They were. They they were still one dimensional. More efficient than they are now. They were, okay, they're much better passing offense. I think he's got more tools to use this than now than he did so, then. He definitely got a lot of tools on that team. You guys have to go off that statement. Uh, what can Brown do for you? I mean, that's going to be a huge, huge installment. Give the ball to Keenan Brown. What are you, what are we doing? Not giving him the ball 20, 25 times a game. Yeah, and then plus like we're ranked last right now in the Sun Belt with the total amount of rushing yards with only seven hundred ninety. So Keenan Brown touched the ball five times yesterday and then the past game. Two of them rushes, three of them catches. He gained over 80 yards on five touches. See, that's the thing. They're going to have to give five. it to him. See, if you give it to him at least twice as much, so if you give it to him ten times, just imagine what he can do. That, that's never happened yet. As a team, we had 242 total yards. He touched the ball five times and gained over a third of our total yardage. So Why is he not getting the ball 15, 20, 25 times a game? We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, ULM is this Saturday, so let's let's figure it out. I mean, hope, let's hope that he has the ball at least, let's say, three times a month. You've got to give him to him like 10 to 15 carries a game, even more than that. This dude is no longer a tight end. He doesn't have a position. You, 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 you go to the depth chart, he is offense. And it just says, it just says um, Keenan Brown, and then like in asterisk, it says like Tyler Vitt. Like, that's it. I mean, that's, that's all we need for now. I mean, <laughs> We're already past the halfway point. Give Ke Keenum Brown is probably going to go day two NFL draft. Oh, no if doubt. he keeps no playing like this, he can sneak in day day one almost. So, what? what? Day one. Day one's only first round. Yeah, okay, maybe not <laughs> first round. So, definitely day two. Uh, he's definitely not going day three, though. Uh, we'll no, I definitely think day two. He's, he's day, day two. Like second, third, fourth yeah. round. Day two. I, I predict the third round. You minimum. think third, third round? Third round is a, pretty, it's a pretty safe pick. I mean, teams – Love now these athletic receiving tight ends, yeah. like that, a tight end that can move. Who would who wouldn't want LeBron James as like their receiver? You know what I'm saying? Like you have these people that I'm not are saying six, Brown's six. LeBron James. Well, no, I'm just saying well, you have these people Keenan that are Brown six, 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 than, uh, eight. Blake Jarwin. Keenan Brown is only like what six? Keenan Brown's two? better than six, half three. the six, tight ends in the NFL right now. That's a good size. That's a good size for a tight end. Hey, that I never really thought about that. That's a, we'll talk about that another day. But like, there's not a lot of elite tight ends in the NFL. I mean, honestly, if Gronk. 
when he's healthy. Or Kelsey. Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. And Zach Ertz. Ertz. And then after that, it's a big drop. I mean, Kyle before, Rudolph. Before Jimmy Graham used to be elite. Delaney yeah, Walker, if he wasn't hurt, I'd put him up there. Yeah. Anyway, Eric Ebron only that's gets like two receptions and a touchdown now, in a game. Keenan Brown, every time he's been on the field against st- several different levels of talent, has been by far the best player in the field. So that, that has to be promising. And give him the ball. Give your best player the ball. I don't understand how this isn't – how we aren't talking about how he's racking up 300 yards total of offense a game. I just don't – I don't understand it. Um Another thing I don't understand, why can't we pass block at all? That's been well, a huge issue. I mean, not even a little bit. Even, you know, it's like the running backs haven't been very uh, – they haven't been too hot with the pass protection. Uh, you can use uh, Anthony Taylor as a huge example. Look what happened at the UTSA game. Didn't block a soul. It, it's a team effort. I mean, so Tyler Vitt goes 13 for 21, 132 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He sacked three times. I would love to see the quarterback pressure and hit stats. I'm sure they're astronomically high. Um Every time you give Tyler Vitt a pocket where he can sit, read the field, he's he's very good. I mean, he he's he's ve- he's very good. He can he can look throughout the entire field. They they didn't sw- Here's what I want to and here's what I bring up. Last week we had the big discussion, Willie Jones, Tyler Vitt, right? Tyler Vitt got the start, offense struggled the first half. They brought in Willie Jones out of the half. I don't think they brought in Willie Jones because they like we don't like Tyler Vitt right now. We don't we don't we don't think he's playing well. I don't think it was that we think Willie Jones is going to win us this game because he's a better quarterback. I think it was a we have to we have to get some kind of rushing attack somehow. And Willie Jones is he's obviously a very good runner. That's that's what he excels at. So it was more of a let's get him in there. And he what he carried the ball ten times in what four drives. They, so they didn't bring him in to uh, they brought him in to rejuvenate the offense, but not in the like. Because of his arm. Well, yeah, that's what we, uh, we talked about. One of those two quarterbacks, when it's either whether it's Jones or Vitt, and the play calling changes. It's different. Oh, drastically. I mean, yeah, obviously they're going to run like, you know, more read options and a little bit more quarterback designed keepers for Willie Jones and Vitt. But even when, what, was it the first drive Willie Jones was in? They run the end around to Keenan Brown, and mm-hmm. that's when he picks up 62 yards. That's when he goes all the way. He, he, picks, yeah, he picks up like 61, 62 yards. And they, they get right he, back to him, and then he gets pun- in the end zone. Then he punches it in the next drive. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a great play. He showed great running ability, having the ball in so his I'm hands. So gonna, I'm going to bring up a hypothetical here, and you can share your opinions on it. What if that when Georgia Southern was watching film and studying us, they they studied all, like, all of uh, Willie Jones's – Stuff they didn't expect us to play Tyler Vitt. Oh, that would be stupid man. Be because bad coaching they would be bad parts. coaching. You're right. Tyler Vitt's been our starter since week two. Yeah, I <laughs> guess so. True. Um, I mean, it hasn't really been it hasn't really been very methodical to this point. Sorry, Willie Jones. I was just trying to give you benefit of the doubt, man. But here, here's what I want to here's what I want to present to you guys. And I'm kind of going back to Keenan Brown on this. Keenan Brown had that drive right where he punched it into the end zone and carried us down the field, put the team on his back. He didn't touch the ball again the rest of the game. That was like well, what beginning of the third. That, that was the two things I, I was going to hit on. Yeah, he does that in the third quarter, and then when Texas State has the two point conversion chance. To tie so the Tyler Vick comes back in, hits Jer- Jeremiah. Great pass, Jeremiah Hadle uh, in the corner of the end zone goes to his athlete. We have athletes at wide, wide out. You get the, we can get the ball to him. They'll make plays. Yeah, you got and, Hutch White. You got yeah, uh, Hutch White. Another good game. Yeah. Anyway, but, but you so got to p- but you got to pick your spot with those. Yes, we have you know receivers great potential, but the best player on the field is Ken Brown. On the two-point conversion try, Tyler Vitt throws a corner fade mm-hmm. to T.J. Bedford. Big guy. Oh, no, he's 6'4", uh, big soft. So he's a redshirt boy. freshman. He's a redshirt freshman, yeah. So he threw it also to one of the best cornerbacks in the Sunbelt Conference. Well, it's one of those things. It's like, regardless of who he's throwing it to, that's a situation. If you're in the NFL and you're three yards out and you're the Dallas Cowboys, who's getting the ball? Zeke. Zeke Elliott's getting it. Feed him. If you're the New York Giants, who's getting the ball there? Saquon. Saquon Barkley. Uh, if well, you're the Giants, yeah. if you're, you know, if you're Cleveland, who's getting the ball there? Hopefully Baker. Carlos Hyde. They're putting the hand, they're putting the ball in Baker's hands. Uh, unless so you're Texas uh, State, Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, then you you're not then you try to throw it slant. Yeah, you then then you and Ever Withers are like calling each other. Um, yeah, Bro, guess what I did? Or maybe like maybe like maybe more like Zach Core, but um They have a history. But yeah, so Texas State needs to put the ball in the hands of their best player and let him be a playmaker. Instead, they go to TJ TJ Bedford's got like again. I there, there here comes the word. He's got all the potential in the world. Potential. I mean, he's sick. He's huge. He's got good speed. He's got good hands. Uh, 
But to go to an unproven redshirt freshman in a big moment like that against a really good football team, against the best corner, if you're going to go after the best corner in the league, shouldn't, go out, shouldn't you go after him with your best player? I no, mean, absolutely. Yes. Take him to that, Brown Town, as I would say. Take him to Brown Town. Br- I like that. Take yeah. him to Brown Town. Yeah. That's order, my fantasy. Name. Order, yeah. order the t-shirts right now. <laughs> that sounds dirty. What? Only if you make it. Come on now. Yeah, get your mind out the gutter. Brown Town. Yeah, I know. I don't see. I don't see it at all. I, I, I think. I feel. I feel like it's just too broad. Like taking him to Brown Town. Uh, it could mean a lot of things. Uh, yeah. Can't. You can't it's take funny. It to it's it's funny. Get on. Get on my level over here. It's not that creative a pun. I don't know. I think it's it's pretty Riley, creative. We need to get Riley's opinion. He like prides oh, himself on a, being a pun pun master. But yeah, so <laughs> but let's 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 dive into uh, this Tyler Vitt Willie Jones debate a little bit more. Uh, I really don't think Tyler Vitt played that bad, considering like like I said, he just n- was never able to get comfortable because the game plan didn't didn't allow him to. They they just don't establish the run at all. And I'm almost to the point. Why don't we just put Willie Jones at running back? <laughs> Like, honestly, put him yeah, at running back. That's all they, that's all they really use. Run a two-quarterback set, and then if, when you're running it, give it to Willie, and when you're passing it, give it to Tyler. Or just I mean, go all, like, like all-out air game and just put him at the slot. Or or go San Marcus on it and put, put Willie at wideout and then yeah. run trick plays with him and stuff. I, he's such a good athlete. If Tyler Vitt's the starter. We're one in five. Why aren't we running trick plays? Like, get creative with yeah, it. Yeah, like, w- something's not right. So the, why, the, we, we've already gotten to the point of the season that we have to put our hands up and say, screw it. But uh, there's always <laughs> next year. But <laughs> so why are we just doing something that is entertaining? Or I, I don't know. It just, just switch it up. It, Dang. It, it, it comes later. If you remember last season, Reed. Uh, comes later. Texas State at the same point in the season, another poor record. They started pulling out a lot of trick plays. They yeah. were throwing a lot of revert, a they lot of reverse, reverse passes, well, I, stream pass throws. That's when Hutch White really started to bloom, dude. So I I, look, y'all are over there talking about this, talking about this Vit versus Jones debate. Y'all can have it. I'm on this side, Hutch White for QB, and that's I'm gonna stand by it. Um, he's got the best stats on the team. See, what I don't understand is Coach Withers. Like every week, you notice that he always says. <laughs> Yeah, we got to run the ball more. We got to be uh, we got to be able to run the every ball week. More. Yeah, every week, and then <laughs> every has, week. He, has he has and then he has, has he yet to do it. Uh, he, he just keeps then, giving it to Willie, and then Willie gets hurt. He's like, "Why does my quarterback keep getting hurt?" Freaking, you got the. It's actually the, best the same hologram of Coach Withers at every press. Oh conference. wait, it, it's not a designed run, guys. It's not a designed it, run. Oh, I mean, yeah. obviously, like we were saying that earlier, you have the best player on the field. You got Keenan Brown, and he has think about a sixty-four yard run, and then it's like, all right. So basically, what goes on in Coach Withers' said is like, all right, um. We'll just go ahead and move on. We'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and move on well, and just we, like pass the ball a little bit more. We got our, we got going our on up three there good is. plays for the day, and they were all Keenan Brown. I can't use him anymore. I'm we're, gonna we're, tell them I'm gonna run. And he was like, "I'm very really satisfied." I'm He's like, not. And he, this guy, <laughs> this man was satisfied. This man was satisfied with their loss. I'm like, a loss is a loss. I know you lost by two, but they were satisfied with it. Him and Larry Tice are buddies. They're like, "Hey, we only lost by two this time. It's better than the 15 last year. We're improving." So, guys, <laughs> you play against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is now five and one. That's a good team. You hang with them. You should have beat them. Honestly, you, you had all the – because we also forget, they went for it on fourth and, like, inches, and had they just kicked a field goal there, we're talking about a 16-13 win, 16-15 win. Our motto for this year is – If they don't get – if they don't, if they don't come out and shotgun at their own two and get tackled for a safety, it's another two points. Yeah. So uh, Our motto this year is shoulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda, woulda. Yeah. Uh, act small, be small. Coulda, anyway, yeah, that's a big time. Um, Georgia – so we, you play Georgia Southern real tough. I keep getting away from what I'm trying to get to. Uh, a really good team. Does that give you guys confidence? I mean, look at the rest of the, s- the schedule. ULM this week. No, I have their stuff pulled up. New Mexico State next week at home. That's homecoming. Georgia State on the road. Appalachian State on the road. Let's just not even bother with those last four. <laughs> those last three games. Uh, those last four. Scary. Georgia State, Appalachian State, Troy, and Arkansas State. We ain't winning those. Maybe Georgia State. The other three, probably not. So, when you look at the ne- – let's go with the next three games. ULM, New Mexico State, Georgia State. I'm not getting my hopes up. That's all I'm saying before I – do any kind of so or anything what how do you see those games going can can we beat can we win two out of three can we win three out of three are this, we gonna win any this is the thing we we can win two out of three if we utilize the run game right so if we run the ball a little bit more if you use the best player on the field if you started making some trick plays like we, you guys mentioned earlier with Vit and Willie Jones the third so use them for trick, trick plays you throw Kenny Brown in at the running back position and and wide out and tight in everywhere on office besides quarterback if you do that then we can win some more games so against this game against uh, ULM this coming Saturday. Um, By the way, ULM's new jerseys are kind of clean. I, I just they are kind of clean. Um, I didn't really like the new logo, but their jerseys they look good. They're giving up little over 300 yards passing a game, or a game, uh, averaging each 
each pass averaging about 10 yards, giving up 16 touchdowns to their nine during the season. So it looks like their secondary is a little bit weak. You're saying a lot about the run game. Yes, you need to establish the run game so you can establish the passing game. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like dominoes if you've ever played. Um, but I guess what is key is just not having. So a I mean, when slip you look at up when again, I, I, it's hard for me to like get, sit here and try and predict in what I want to happen because. Every week, it's something new. They're surprising us in some different way. Like this like this past week, we thought we were going to get blown out the water. But here we are, having a really close game. Our defense is top-notch, and our offense is like struggling more than it was during the UTSA game. Um, I don't know. It's just sometimes well, i got to throw my hands in the well, air and say, well, whoa. Let's look at ULM a little bit. So they're coming in. They are 3-4. and four. They're coming off of a win. Uh, they just took down Coast Carolina. Coast Carolina. Uh, wasn't, it doesn't look like they're going to be a terrible team this year. They lost to Ole Miss 21-70. to Georgia State beat Holy them 14-46. to And then they, they played Troy real tough. They played A&M, too. 35-27. They lost A&M 48-10. And then Southern Miss and Southeastern. So two of their wins are over uh, FBS schools. And then they have the win over Coastal Carolina. So not exactly super impressive wins. Uh, when you look at ULM, the first guy you're going to look at is their quarterback, Caleb Davis. Kilo Davis has been a starter for them for a while. He's a junior from Mansfield, Texas. He played pretty well against Troy. He didn't pass the ball very well, but he ran for over 100 yards. Uh, he, he ran had a 32-yard run in that game against Coastal. He had two rushing touchdowns. He's also capable of – he also threw for, threw for two touchdowns against Troy. He threw for 350 yards against Southeastern Louisiana. So this is kind of the guy you're going to have to watch out for. He's a dual threat. Uh, you're going to really have to contain him. And you're – honest. Let's, let's go ahead and say it. You're going to have – to get to him, you're going to have to have some kind of pass rush. Uh, this type of dude, you let him sit in the pocket, he's going to kill you. And if you let him get out of the pocket, he's going to you, hurt you with his feet. So this is a big game for the defensive end. Plus, it's their homecoming game against Texas State this weekend. Homecoming. And he's only gotten stronger as the season's gone on. So week one against Southwest Louisiana, he threw for 350 yards, two touchdowns. And then the next three weeks against South Southern Miss, Texas A&M, he was kind of quiet, 195 against Southern Miss. 220 against Texas A&M. And then he threw for almost 220 against A&M is not terrible. No, it, it really isn't. And then he threw for almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, and ran for another 100 against a really good Troy team. Uh, and he really struggled against Georgia State and Ole Miss and then kind of bounced back in Coast Carolina. So he's kind of had an up-and-down year. But you're going to have to stop him. How do you think this this team matches up? We, we, we don't have that great of a pass rush. I think we really miss Jordan Mitty in that aspect. Um, can Frankie Griffin and, and the crew get to him enough? to kind of falter him a little bit. Look, going back when you kind of asked that first, you said, can Texas State win one out one of these three, two out of these one threes? One of these three. You know, what can happen? First of all, we ha we have no right to go into any football game that Texas State plays this year or maybe even next year with any positive thought that we will win the game. That's <laughs> harsh, but it's probably we, realistic. I agree. I, I, I don't uh, Yeah, we, we shouldn't even get at this. Can they win one of these three? No. They're playing ULM uh, Saturday, 10.5-point underdogs. When they open up against New Mexico State, who's also one of the worst, like, five teams in the FBS. Terrible. They we'll probably they, be underdogs. Th they might give it to us because we're the home team. They give you an automatic And three it's our homecoming. Th yeah, they give you an automatic three points when you're the home team. They might give you another, you know, point and a half point for homecoming. Not a good team. So maybe in that one, Georgia State, not a chance. And it's frankly because this team, Withers said it in, the, in, I believe, on Monday, they can't put together four good quarters of complete football on every end. If the defense is bad, then the offense is good. If the offense is good, the defense is bad. Sometimes they're all bad. Sometimes special teams is bad. They just don't – anywhere you look at Texas State, if you were to grade them if, you know, as a uh, as a running team, as a receiving team, as a blocking team, like divide it up like that, they are not an A in any position. Oh, no, they're, they're hardly Bs. Yeah, I would say, I, I wouldn't even put them Bs. B, they're, they're like C guys they're B at linebacker. Yeah, and it's a bunch of C-level groups out here. That's yeah, I, mean, I would give I would get linebackers the B. ULM will be a tough one. When you look at New Mexico State, though, I mean, let me just read y'all some some stats. They lost to, they lost, they played Wyoming pretty good, and then they lost to Minnesota by thirty eight. Then they lost to Utah State thirteen to sixty on a game you could only find on Facebook Live. Then they then they went <laughs> and played. They beat UTEP by seven, which UTEP is like you not for like three years in a row been at the bottom. Players. And then they beat Liberty forty nine to forty one. They lost to Louisiana thirty eight to sixty six. 
I mean, what's defense? New Mexico State doesn't play defense. If no. Tyler Vitt in this offense can't drop 400 yards of offense against anybody, if they don't beat New Mexico State, all hope is lost. Like, clean, clean, clean the house. And, like, and honestly. He right here, if what we just did against Georgia Southern, if our defense allows New Mexico State to score over 21 points, what the heck? Well, it seems like New Mexico State is capable of putting up points. It's I know. It's keeping points off the board where they really struggle. But still, like... But back to ULM. Uh, see, I, I'm kind of counter, Brendan, because when you look at Texas State's schedule, okay, the really the only game you weren't in at any point was Rutgers. Let's be honest. The only game you really never were in it. Texas Southern, that was a win. South Alabama, you had it in the bag going into the fourth quarter. UTSA, Defense you had every one. opportunity to win that game. Louisiana Lafayette, well, okay, maybe that's maybe another one that you just kind of got kind of got handed. Uh, and then Georgia Southern, you definitely had chances to win that game. So, ten to twelve plays go differently. We're talking about a three and two football team. So, I don't, I don't want to go in saying we have no shot at winning. We don't have the right to go in. We're in these games. But, but we're in every it, single one of them. They have a similar. It's like it's pretty similar to like Willie Jones there. You know, their quarterback rushes the ball just as much as he does. Dude, they got Brown syndrome. So it's one of the here. Here's here's what I'm. Here's kind of my ultimatum on this. Um, Coach Withers at the last press conference he, One of the things he said several times Is like we, we're at the hump We just can't quite get over that hump But we're getting there If they can't get over the hump By the end of this season If they don't win another game Or if the only game they win is New Mexico State The hump just keeps getting bigger I'm not the type I'm, Obviously we can't come in for anybody's jobs But you've got to be thinking about it but What I was going to say is You know talking about they're in every game. They're close to every. They're close. Blah blah blah. The stats show they're close. The score shows they're close. But as a coach, as a team, knowing how to win is another aspect of the game. Oh, for sure. Another aspect. And that's that's kind of why I'm starting to look at the coaching it, it, staff yeah, more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're out there playing well, but they don't know how to win. Does in or even close out a game. Does that start with the coaching staff, or does that start with just winning a winning a good game, winning a close game, and then just getting that I feeling? Mean, what are your Brandon opinions on that? Point. Oh, okay, go ahead. Oh, okay. go ahead, Mark. Okay, well, Brendan has a key point when he says they don't know how to win, first of all. Think about it. We were leading South Alabama, I mean, by a lot, towards half. And then look what happened. We lost by 10. And then UTSA, I know you were really upset about that UTSA game. I mean, we had plenty of, we had plenty of opportunities. You had UTSA, you had South Alabama, even, even, even Georgia Southern. So that's three games we would have – I mean, we, we should have won, honestly. That, that goes back to that woulda, coulda, shoulda mentality that and the team showed. And that goes back – to the inconsistency of play. Exactly. So Peyton and Brendan had some really, really crucial key points in this podcast. And I think part of what he was, what Brendan was saying about, how, like you're not, you can't expect to win a game, is also kind of that inconsistency of play. Like, it, you know, uh, hold on, let me gather these two points and put them together in my brain. Uh, Clock's ticking. Yeah, I know. Here we go. <clears throat> Here's my thesis statement. <laughs> The, the anticipation is of, killing me. <laughs> the inconsistency of play by the Texas State football team, who are one in five, is the key determining factor of why they can't close out and, I guess, efficiently catch up in the games that they should have won. That's fair. I think it took you a little while to get the train rolling, but once well, you got I was it trying going, to get his idea and my idea to like <laughs> actually coincide together. Yeah. Um. Very again, I think this ULM game is very telling as far as anything for the next few weeks. Is that fair to say? Uh, if they yeah. get Are you absolutely blown this is out the of the game building, that'll make or break the season. The make or break <laughs> game. Here we go, boys. Uh, I mean, well, I feel like the New Mexico State game that should be a win. For real, right? this that is should, probably should, the seventh time I've said yeah, that this yeah, you're year. Saying that all. This whole time. We've been agreeing to that since the summertime. All right, so let's go ahead and talk some San Marcos football real quick. Actually, let's let's talk about some – I'm throw it out real quick. We're naming this podcast, Give the Damn Ball to Keenan Brown. Give the ball to Keenan <laughs> Brown. He's a bad man, I'm telling you what. Agreed. Uh, yeah, not uh, Aaron Rodgers ain't the only bad man on this planet. just want to give a quick shout-out. This is a Texas State athletics-based podcast. Women's sports is absolutely killing it right now. I mean, soccer just needs one. They have a home game this weekend. Uh, on senior weekend, and if they win it, which game is it? I gotta pull it up. Uh, they have two games at home this weekend. One of them Friday. We, that one will not be broadcasted. Friday's Georgia State. Sunday's, Georgia State. Sunday uh, senior day is Coastal Carolina. The so, team that so, knocked them out last year. Yeah. So Georgia State, if they beat Georgia State, they lock up the regular season Sun Belt title. 
And so that's a big game. If you can make it out, because uh, San Marcos, the Rattlers will be on the road. Uh, they will be back to the exact same stadium, probably the exact same booth, Brendan. Linhoff Stadium. <laughs> George, so they'll be taking on Georgia State, who was a pretty good team in the conference. If they can take down Georgia State, they've locked up the Sunbelt regular season title. And then, of course, they will play Sunday against Coastal Carolina. That game will be on KDSW at 1 o'clock pregame. Uh, 1245 make sure to tune into that one if they because if they lose Georgia State that'll be the clincher so um, I'm kind of jealous of you guys definitely y'all get to go to this cool press box and sit there and I call uh, my away team Blanco Blanco High School well yes we're playing in comfort uh, the comfort Bobcats Uh, we used to scrimmage comfort (laughs) oh yeah they 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 got a nice like little dome field and everything well I, I call them to get a a spot in the press box and they tell me that some radio station from Kerrville has taken our spot and we're left with the scraps and a table. Called the film deck. Have fun, yes. bro. Thanks. You, you go in the cities and towns I've never heard of. It's, it's weird. What, comfort? I, I, Honda, hey, Honda comfort? used to scrimmage comfort. We, they were, I think they were a level lower than us. We always scrimmage. You never I, heard of Sonora? Actually, Sonora was a new one for me, yeah, too. I'm not going to lie. Reed, I don't know Hondo until I know you. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. Texas State Volleyball is also And Hondo don't know you. I just, here's what I want to point no, out about Texas State Volleyball. Well I thought. Last week, we were all hyping up. We got Appalachian State coming in. They're a really good Sunbelt team. Uh, and that game was played last Friday, and we 3-0 swept them. And then Coastal Carolina comes in, the reigning champs, the team that beat us in the championship. This big matchup here in San Marcos, Texas. They only really – they took one set, and we won the other three pretty dominantly. And so now you only have – let's see. You have one, two – you have two road games – Two, you have, so you have five road games, two home games, and the season's over, starting a Sun Belt tournament. Texas State Volleyball, is, I mean, should be ranked. Let's be honest. They should be ranked. I think the 28th right now. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be ranked by the end of the regular season if they keep this up. They're just – every, mean, every obstacle they put in their way. The conference they, definitely deserves Oh, a yeah, they're just blowing right through it. No matter who you are. So, I mean, so Texas State Athletics, there's some, there's some teams really looking good. Texas State Baseball is kicking into gear. Texas State Fall Baseball, it's going to be an interesting team. Of course, we'll give like a whole episode dedicated to previewing them at some point, uh, hopefully before the end of the semester, because obviously, looking into the future, not all of us will be present. It's America's game, bro. It really is. It really is. Um, the San Marcos football, let's go ahead and look at them. So, <laughs> Wait, real quick. You brought up football and just completely skipped over basketball as a whole. I mean, you brought yeah, up baseball. I mean, basketball, basketball yeah, ba- I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a basketball guy, Brendan, so I, I, it's probably basketball in, it's is my, back my favorite sport. I love the way they dribble up and down the court. Texas man. State got two new commits to basketball this week. Uh, one of them is a JUCO guy, and the other is a high school kid. And I didn't do a ton of research, but it was interesting. Brandon, what is it? What does that sound also? Like? Did you see their their road unis for this year? They all black. Looks really good. Looks clean. I actually did not see those. Though. Go to Brand. Go to Brand's Twitter. He said, "I'm not a basketball guy." Hey, but did you see their new two recruits? Oh, and their new unis. They look flame. Hey, I know my stuff. Nigel <laughs> Pearson. I just tend to forget about it. Just put them in there, Nigel Pearson. Nigel Pearson, uh, learn how to shoot the three. Anyway, so San Marcos football, they're coming in having only, having only won one game. They are coming off of a really tough loss to Steel. Now they play Clemens. Uh, in the same stadium, Castile and Clemens share a stadium. Uh, when Jamon Johnson is shut down, the whole offense is shut down. They haven't really been able to get the ball to their wideouts a ton. Uh, I don't think they have the super athletic wide receivers that can blow up in a game. Takai Magid, I feel, hasn't had the gear I think you and I thought he would, Brendan. Myson Williams has made plays at times, but uh, what are your thoughts so the question I pose to you, uh, when you see this team, they're what, one and five now, uh, is the problem that the Rattlers just don't have any talent? They don't have the talent they had last year? Or is it that the new district they're in is just playing out too tough of a district for them right now? Well, I definitely think it's a, it's pretty much both. Uh, we sit here and talk about you know, the receivers haven't been that much. The quarterback position struggled. Jamon, you know, struggling to get uh, out in the open space. The defense struggling. You know, a lot of it kind of falls on the guys up front. We haven't seen. Yeah. We talked about we haven't seen a lot from their passing game. Well, when you know, not once a season have we seen Alex Garcia just sit back there and have all the time and in the world. have five seconds to survey the field. Mm-hmm. He comes out there, he's throwing that quick stop to the outside. Well, they're running that little rollout play. They love the run. That's pretty much it. Yeah, other than his late in games, kind of garbage time, and he's just letting it fly. Yeah, I mean, against Judson, they were really running rollouts away from Leal the entire time. They didn't want any piece of him, and I don't blame him. But that that kind of kind of you know. 
Just yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's an came, example of what you're getting yeah, at. Yeah, they, they haven't come out and tried to assert a passing game of any, any sort. They just kind of, oh, we'll try to play off it. We saw, what, last game against uh, Steele, they just completely went away. They said, okay, we don't need a quarterback anymore. They threw Alex Garcia at receiver for, like, what? You're still letting Javon Johnson run out of the At, at least 10 wildcat. to 15 plays. Javon Johnson and. Maybe even 20. To co- uh, a whole drive, a yeah, scoring drive was jo- just Javon Johnson, Johnson and Takai. Johnson and uh, running their own options in the backfield, and they came out and drive later, and. Steele rightfully adjusted to it and said, "Hey, stop that! <laughs> stop they, it! Stop it, peasants!" Because <laughs> slapped him on the hand because they didn't have to worry about a passing attempt. He didn't attempt it once. Yeah, and of course, when you looked at Steele, they had, like their entire secondary we all had like Division One offers, and they had a day at a That's Texas. Probably exactly they had a Texas they State commit. They had a dude who's like top 150 yeah. for next year. Jalen Jones. They they had a stacked secondary, so it was gonna be hard. Of course. Early in the game, San Marcos went after him. They it was went, 10-10. they went, they went Magic versus Jones, and it almost looked like Magic was going to win it, and they just never attacked it again. So I don't know. That was it. We'll see what they do against Clemens. Clemens is still a good team, not quite as tough as Steele. Uh, this is a little bit of a cool down considering they've already been through the gauntlet. They've played Judson, they've played Steele, uh, and so now you have Clemens and New Braunfels the next few weeks. So some Smithson Valley, definitely not, definitely not easy games, but. Uh, Winnable games, I think, for San Marcos if they can get back to you know what they're capable of. We will see. This is kind of a big couple of weeks for them. They got to win these two for sure if they want a shot at playoffs. Is I think Smithson Valley is going to be really tough, so we will we will see. Um, but yeah, we have that game later today because uh, we're recording this on Thursday. It comes out on Friday later today. Pregame seven. 15? seven fifteen. Uh, Kickoff seven thirty. Isn't it crazy in high school you can have. Four games left, and we can say that's on the playoff race. <laughs> they're still Wait, in the play- playoffs. They're one in five. We're like, yeah, they can, they can still make playoffs. They can still make playoffs. Ain't no, they ain't no talking about no <laughs> that's playoffs. That's the thing about that's the thing about high school football. You just win two, and if things land right, I remember my high school, Hondo High School, a few years ago. They they only won two games the entire year, and they took on, but they made the playoffs, and they took on uh, Pearsall, who was ten and zero from their district, and Hondo beat them because Hondo was Hondo was. And this is something Sam Marcus could run into. Hondo was playing. Um, they were in the district with Liberty Hill and Wimberley and some really good teams and teams that were consistently in the running in the 4A, 3A level. And then when they got to the playoffs, they were playing their old district. And Pearsall was 10-0, and and Hondo stomped them because they, they'd been playing against the best teams in the state. And you could see Sam Marcus do something like that. I mean, they, they, they play against the best teams in the state, and then when they get to the playoffs, they're playing, you know, some smaller school from up from you know up, up north around Dallas and – we never heard of. So it's something to keep an eye on. If they can sneak into the playoffs, you can always make a run. Um, anyway. It's a little bit of a motivation like boost. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, something to like think about for San Marcos Rattlers fans. It's like, a, it's like, I guess you can call it the San Marcos syndrome. I mean, now, I mean, you got dude, two, I like one that. Of, two one and five records. <laughs> for both, <laughs> to I mean, be fair, it's hard to say <laughs> that because a year ago, even though Texas State was in the dumps, San Marcos was winning every game they played. They were 10 to 2. So. But they didn't catch the San Marcos syndrome. No, they, they were able to stay out. Of course, I guess they lost a lot of seniors. So, of course, pretty Calderon. Hey, let's go ahead and throw that out there. He had his first interception. He's starting for Rice at safety now, even though Rice is having a really bad year. They've been ranked down in the top ten. They were even ranked lower than Texas State this past week, which was intriguing. Um, but Prudy, hey, Prudencio Calderon. He was the – I think Coach Soto called him the pride of San Marcos on Twitter. Comes up with his big interception. So, shout out to, to Prudy Calderon having his first really good collegiate game. We're really happy for him. Uh Former San Marcos, probably one of the better Rattler Rattlers that, that I guess the high school's ever seen, especially since building their new stadium and and bumping up to the yeah. next level. So, gonna be excited uh, on November seventeenth. I'll probably I'll probably be watching a Prudy Calderon game as Rice plays LSU. Oh, so see how he does against the big boys in the SEC. It'd be fun to see you know you know Prudy on you know a game involving on ESPN. <laughs> Playing against the guys. Let's that hope you're he does pretty good. Prudy good. Prudy good. Yeah, my bad. So, I ruined that one. guys, I, I, I really debated not talking about our next subject. Cause yeah, I'm just the way right you now. phrased it, I was like, yeah, this one looks a little, uh, little so shaky. We're, we're going to start. We're going to start. We're going to start with the National League. Cause that that makes me cry a little less. Uh, Dodgers take the three-two lead over Milwaukee. Uh, they have the two games in Milwaukee left of the series. Can the Brew Crew win both those home games and sneak into the World Series? Or is the Blue Crew going to get the job done? It's possible. I've seen crazier things happen before. Well, Kershaw just pitched ye- yesterday. So he's more than likely, if he's available, it's in relief in six, probably game seven. Which he would. He 100%, he 100% would, but then you've also got to think you had have him ready for game one of World Series. So 
we, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think Milwaukee still is definitely in it. They seem to thrive playing at home. Uh, and Christian Yelich is I just he scares me. When you if I if you look at a World Series, he's the one dude you're like I really don't want to pitch to him. So uh, we we will see. I think it's gonna be an interesting finish to the series. So um, saying, my bad to interrupt. But no, go ahead. Sort of saying that uh, according to ESPN, so if Boston wins, Joe West is the MVP. So what are your thoughts on that? Joe West is the MVP. Um, I think we'll get to that. So, so we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. We'll get to that here in a minute. We're on um, the NL I actually right have a now, different, Mark. I actually have a different stance than I normally do today, Brendan. You'll, you'll be proud of me. You'll, you'll no, be, I've been proud so far. That's it. We'll get all that into that later. <laughs> you'll be proud of me. Um, so I wanted to ask you all this. Clayton Kershaw, debatably top five best pitchers that the league's ever seen, right? Like of all uh, time? Yeah, of all time. Of all time. But he has never won a World Series. Is this a Dan Marino situation? Let's say Col- Clayton Kershaw plays five more years. Is this never a LeBron wins, James Never situation? wins a World Series. Okay, let's say he does that. And for, for the first three years after his retirement, we're all going to remember him, right? We're going to be like, oh, yeah, Clayton Kershaw was one of the greats. 10, 15 years down the line, are we still going to – are we going to think of Clayton Kershaw and be like he was one of the greats? Or are we going to be like, what, he never really played – he never really won Can anything in the postseason? Here? Okay, so the pitcher – I just did one. I just compared him to Dan Marino, oh, the greatest. Well, oh, well, oh, yeah, okay, you're right, you're right. <laughs> And yes, pitcher and quarterback, and then I would take it further one more sport and say point guard. Do you remember Steve Nash? Oh yeah, he never won a ring. Of course, to be fair, most of the time when he was good, I was like in in, in like diapers. So, but you still remember him though. Yeah, but you don't I'm remember Steve Nash as one of the best. Of course, I again, no, he, he I you do remember as one of the best point guards. Do per- we though? Okay, Brendan, come finish. shed some light on this one. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he probably, yeah of course, it, 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 gonna sure. sure he's, he, yeah, that's the thing. We remember Steve Nash. He's he's not even top five. You don't remember Trailer <laughs> Trash Nash, though. Of course, Brendan's gonna remember Steve Nash because he, I mean, a former Maverick for a very short amount of time. Well, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just wanted to pose that question to you, if because uh, I know you, Brendan, you're a big Clayton Kershaw fan. You you I've seen you talk about him on social media. Oh, what are your Kershaw. thoughts on that? If he never wins a World Series throughout his career, I mean, obviously he's gonna have the stats to prove he's one of the best, but. Will that keep him from Nolan Ryan air? Will that keep him from Cy Young air? What are your thoughts on that? I, I guess I can see a little bit. There's always going to be someone on the other end who's going to use that, you know, as the other side of the argument. But Clayton Kershaw, ever since he's been in the league, has been nothing but special. He has no, oh, for sure. Cy no, no disputing that. He has Cy Youngs. He has top five MVP finishes, uh, an insane ERA for for his career, and it's people like low twos. Yeah, people. I remember last year saying like, "Oh, Clayton Kershaw having a down year." His ERA was like one point eight, something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was a down year. It was just because he was hurt. That's where a lot of the <laughs> down year came from. He was hurt a lot. Uh, he was hurt a lot this year too. But but uh, and a lot of people earlier in his career, I guess you know maybe his first one or two starts, he had some struggles in the postseason. So people started you know, oh, he can't win in the postseason. Can't win in the postseason. Well, get this. Last night was Clayton Kershaw's eighth postseason start, allowing one run or fewer and three hits or fewer. No one else in MLB, MLB history has more than five such starts. But here's the issue, Brendan. Uh, let's say they don't ever win a World Series, and let's say this year they fall short to Milwaukee. Whenever you play his career, you're going to show all the regular season highlights and how well he pitched, but then the highlights that are going to end up showing are Yuli Griel's three-run bomb off of him in Game 5, or it's going to be, say, Milwaukee hits a big hit off of him here in this series. I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is, is that's what he's going to be remembered for? So you're not, saying not is he good it. or is he clutch? No, he's definitely one of the best. He's top five pitchers to ever play. So you're trying to ask if he's clutch, though. I'm just trying to see if not winning a World Series, in y'all's opinion, would, would kind of mark him a little bit. But I don't know. We don't, I, have, a, we don't I, have a ton of time. I, I don't think like it's threshold, you know? Uh, yeah, he's definitely enough, still one enough, of the best. Yeah, it's not enough for me. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll talk about what happened last night. Uh, Astros fall behind Boston 3-1. to one. Um they lost eight to six. It was another really good game. Like honestly, it was just well fought game. Both teams. It was just like two boxers throwing punches. Um, this and and that's one of the thing. I like this series could easily be three one the other way because game game three was really and game two was really good and then now game four was really good. Both games that Astros could have won. Um, so it it again the, the I want to go ahead and bring up the home run. That should have been, but again, it's one of those things. Like, yes, it definitely should have been a home run. Uh, every every angle I've seen, every analyst, every national media, even national media has been like, "Yep, that was a home run." Um, so Joe West flat out was wrong. Simple as that. But, but I'm not going to sit it, here. But then it went through the replay system in New York. I don't want to totally blame Joe West. Yeah, yeah, it, it's his little. That's fair. That's that fair. People tell him what but to do. But the, the whole issue is the only reason it was it was held up was because he called it out and they 
didn't find enough evidence, mm-hmm. which is which is BS. But um, anyway, I'm not going to blame the loss on that. I mean, so, while that two-run home run would have changed a lot of things, um, it's no, it's still I can't sit here and be like we only lost because of that call. No, uh, you you don't you don't let Boston jump out ahead of you early. Like you always do, and I mean, you, they keep letting Boston get guys on base in the first inning. Even that's exactly what Boston wants. They want to be patient and get guys on base, and then get to their big hitter. No, you need to come at Mookie to start the game. You need to come at those guys. We're not doing that. Um, I just think that they're giving up big hits in situations. Stop pitching to Jackie Bradley Jr. Just stop it. Never thought those words would be uttered. The dude is. <laughs> I, I honestly do. He's on fire. I just don't. I don't know what. It's one of those situations. We're they're not pitching to Alex Bregman at all. Like they don't they don't want any piece of him, and because no, none of the other none of the other hitters are picking up the slack. I mean, Josh Reg's come up with some big hits. Marwin Gonzalez has played well, but there's no one else in that lineup that like when they come up, you're like, oh man, this dude could take me yard. Correa's had a good series, but he hasn't like hit the ball hard. It's just kind of been these little dinks and dunks to get the runs in. So hey, whatever works though. There's been nobody to cover Bregman. So even when they moved into the leadoff spot, it's like it doesn't really hurt. It doesn't hurt. Like, okay, we'll put you on base, and then, and then you might get to third, and then one of somebody will fly out. Like, real quick, I I, just, I don't know. I've kept up entirely too much of the series. Why is Altuve been DHing for the whole series? Because he has a he's basically playing with one leg right now. One of his knees are injured. Uh, and AJ Hinch today at a press conference said that um, if he if it was regular season he wouldn't be playing, but because it's postseason, he's like you've got to get your dogs in there. So they're he, he they don't they don't trust him to play the field because he just his knee isn't holding up. I don't know if you saw any of last game, but whenever he came in to score on Bregman's ball hit ball hit to the wall, that uh, Devers just sucks at defense and couldn't field. Uh, like Altuve was limping when he came across home plate. So the dudes the dudes dogging him out. That's another thing. Houston's banged up. Uh, Correa, I think he's finally starting to get back, but he's not fully healthy. Um, you you have like guys like uh, Charlie Morton's not fully healthy. Lance McCullers just got healthy. Like. I think we could say Dallas Keuchel's been hurt since he won Cy Young. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to miss him too much when he goes and signs with Phillies for the 60K. Keuchel? He's going to. Yeah, Dallas Keuchel. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was kind of my thoughts on the series. I, bad call. It was a pretty, pretty BS call, but it, 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 it wasn't a big enough play for me to be like, well, that's what lost us the game. It definitely affected the game, but it definitely didn't cost us the game. And I don't want to sit here. It's different from the call earlier with Altuve early in the season because that that cost us the game. It effectively was the difference in the game, um, and that call, that call was also terrible. There was also the one in Oakland that was the definition of costing us the game because it was a walk off, even though he was clearly out. Um, you know what's crazy? But the replay system in, in major leagues really needs to be looked at. Like, really does. It, it's terrible. They're relying on TV angles to make these calls, and if you're going to be such a sophisticated advanced sport you need to be able to make those calls more effectively that's just my thoughts on that yeah i guess i kind of i get what the officials kind of went ahead and made that call to keep it you know the be safe because one astros were the home team obviously not you know throwing out any foul play or anything but you know you kind of in the benefit of the doubt in that situation i can see it going to the road team yeah but uh, i i just don't like i don't i don't like the argument no, it, it wasn't a great it wasn't a yeah. great call either but I mean, i'm just trying to play a little devil's advocate and show no, maybe, maybe what the umps were thinking uh I, just don't, I don't fan. like the idea of the um, letting a homer road team so, affect their decision. So, so, saw the fan, you know, uh, uh, he was on TV. They brought him, they found him in a seat, and the reporter, he told the reporter, he said, if the Astros don't win this game, security's going to have to, uh, you know, take me out. Feel bad for that guy. He, he didn't mean to affect the game. <laughs> and no, and now he's probably hated in the city of Houston. He really isn't though, because Altuve after the post game he came out and said like it's not his fault at all. I would have done the same thing, and and and, and, and all, every Astros fan has seen it, and it's clear he didn't reach out. So, I mean, the educated Astros fan is not after him because they know that it wasn't his fault. The one guy that may have reached it all was actually the guy who was right, and even he didn't reach out over the fence. It, if you watch it from there's a side angle, uh, it's pretty clear that Mookie is in the stands. Like, his, his glove is in the stands. And the rule is if the fan reaches out over the wall into the field of play and affects it, then you can call fan interference. But if the outfielder reaches into the stands – it's not fan interference. That should because, be a home run. So it should be a home run. Exactly. It's pretty clear cut and clear, clear cut and dry. But no matter if it if it hits his glove, if it's up here, it hits his glove, and it falls back into the field. Still a home. Still run. a home run because yeah. it, it went over the fence. Actually, I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, uh, okay. I think I think that's technically bringing it back in. Um, what it? Okay. Well, it'd be, say, it'd be okay, it say you hit it out, it hit a pole, it, and it came it, back yeah, in. Yeah, it has to touch something. That's the thing. Yeah. So if it, has, it if it gets 
down. Yeah. So okay. if it gets over, like there, I don't remember. I think it was a Cubs game where like it got over the yellow line, but it bounced off a pole mm-hmm. and it came back in, and they had to review it, and they deemed it it was a home run because if it gets over the line and hits anything, like an inanimate object, if, I think if it hits it, a fan it, 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 or a fan, anything but a player, anything but a player. Any, so it was if it didn't, if he so would have not gone for that ball, if he had reached up and it got in his glove, and he when he was coming back down, it flew out. It just would have been wherever the runner was at. Okay. Yeah. So it, it was a bad call nonetheless. And it and it cost the Astros two runs. Did it cost them the game? It could have made a big difference in the game, but I'm not I don't I don't I don't want to use that as an excuse for losing that game. So Well, it looks like tonight I think Boston's ready to go back to Boston for game six. They're clearly now interested in winning it in Houston as they send David Price out to the mound. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah, and that's another thing. If Houston gets up by a couple of runs, Boston might just park the bus and uh, we'll send in Brandon Workman and Yep. Because that, that's Send one of, it back up to we're, we're going to go ahead and hold the NFL talk for next episode, but because uh, there's a lot, just a lot of breakdown in this series. But um, that was one of the things I brought up. Right, is I I am pretty confident in uh, in Houston's ability to maybe get to a game seven, uh, but it, it kind of reminds me of last year's World Series where when you got to game six, LA had to use every bullet in the chamber just to get a game seven, and then by the time they got to game seven, Houston was just sitting there licking their chops because. LA had nothing left in the tank. They had to pitch you Darvish, and they didn't want to pitch you Darvish. And I and I just kind of see that coming up with, with Houston. Houston can probably force a game seven, but unless Alex Bregman goes God mode all of a sudden, I I just yeah, I think that's where we would run short. Yeah, with the Astros, you know, with the season on the line, they throw out Verlander tonight. Assuming the guy you would like to have for game seven, exactly. So assuming you get to a game six, it's going to go to Garrett Cole, your next Cole. best pitcher. It's game seven. He could win game six, but then game seven, you have to decide. I don't. I go out there in Boston. I'd go bullpen. Honestly, <laughs> I'd go bullpen committee if I was AJ Hinch. This is hypothetically we even get that far. I would start. So I would start McHugh for three innings. Go McCullers for as long as he can go, and then go to your bullpen. But that's just me. On this game, not next game. That would be game seven. Be game if oh, got there. so what if tonight's game five? What if you don't start Verlander this game? What if you start probably in game <sighs> seven? I know the season's on the line, but at the same time, you got to start. If got to start really. If Red Sox are sending out their like not so good pitcher, well, I'm see, not saying it's not a must win for them. It's a must win for Houston. Yeah, I see. I, I kind of see Sam Payton, but like think about it this way: got to Ima- play imagine, chess when others are playing chess. Uh, imagine that they didn't send out Verlander; they lost tonight. You just lost the game, and you left your best player in the team sitting on the bench. Yeah. Well, can't you sub in Verlander if they are doing bad? But he's a starter. Like he's just That's true. As, as, That's unless true. he's original as playoff baseball is, I still think the Astros don't want to do that. No, they don't want to force him out of the bullpen. They were going to bring him into the bullpen for game game seven because they were like, might as well, <laughs> and then he ended up and not needing b- it. Baseball playoffs, pitching rotation is something else. I was watching a Brewer, the Brewers-Dodgers game play in 13 the other night. In the tenth inning, there was some starter going in there for three innings. Uh, would, well, they stay, they brought in Wade Wade Smiley, the lefty. Oh, Wade Miley. Oh, yeah, yeah. He Wade played. Miley, so that they would get ready for the lefty, and then he threw like one batter, yeah, and then they subbed him out. Last night, he started last night, and he he faced, faced Chris one Taylor. Batter, he faced walked, Chris Taylor. Walked him, then he's done. And he started. He started again. What the heck? Yeah, they they wanted to. They want it was gamesmanship. Uh, one last thing I want to touch on, then we'll end it. Like I said, we'll get to the NFL next week. Jalen Smith and Van Der Etch are absolute studs. Um, nah. Bro, did you, have you seen them play the past three weeks? I don't want to get I, into this. I assume, I'm Peyton, just I assume Peyton hasn't seen a, football, uh, a Cowboys game. Van Der Etch and Jalen Smith are making plays from sideline to sideline. They look ridiculous. Anyway. Um, well, I hope so. They're the right and left middle linebacker. Right and left middle. I think so you need to can leave. We, can we end on that one? <laughs> I think you need to leave. Um, Reed sitting in the right left middle of me. I right know. left middle. Uh, the only good thing for Houston out of yesterday's game, there's a lot of good things, but one of the brightest bright spots, uh, I'm already kind of looking at next year. You're going to have to replace Kako. You're going to have to replace Morton. That's not an issue because Josh James came out throwing 103 on 102 on his fastball. I mean, the rookie out of like a 34th round pick in his first. I mean, he pitched in game two, but this was a bigger moment, right? And he came in, gave us three really good innings, was fire and heat. And then you have guys like, I mean, Forrest Whitley is apparently striking out like nine guys in three innings every time he appears in the Arizona Fall League. And then you have guys like, um, like Rogelio Armenteros, just the future for Houston. Even, let's say things go sour today or tomorrow. Like, future for Houston is still very bright. So I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm. I told Parker and I talked about this. Parker, my roommate, 
probably the biggest Houston fan I know. Um, he actually smells like Houston. Oh, no, I don't know how he does. <laughs> but, uh, you know you're a huge fan when you post random stuff on Facebook about your team and nobody likes it. <laughs> that's kind of how he is. That's <laughs> shots oh, fired. That's, that's kind of I think we're going to end it on the shots fired. That was great. So, Parker, I hope shots you listen fired, to this entire fired. podcast. Thank you all for listening to Texas State Spit Talk. We might have a very special guest next week, so stay tuned for that. I'm not going to tell you who because until I know for sure it's confirmed, but if we if we do get this this gentleman – uh, y'all are going to definitely want to tune in. He's it rhymes got, with chef. He's got some opinions. And then we will move on. But yeah, and so Tech State Spit Talk comes out every Friday at noon unless we tell you other, otherwise. Sometimes we change it just for scheduling reasons. Uh, but other than that, every Friday at noon, Bobcat Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 11 to 11.30. Make sure to send us questions on Twitter for those shows at the, the hashtag BCR Breakdown. Make sure to send those to us, and we will answer your questions on Bobcat Radio. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for us today. So thank you all for tuning in, and we will you will hear from us again next week. Oh, yeah, no,